DiscerningHearts.com presents The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola with Father Anthony Wick. Father Wick is the Jesuit priest of the central and southern province of the United States. He currently acts as a retreat master at the White House Jesuit Retreat Center in St. Louis, Missouri. He also serves as a spiritual director at Kenrick Glennon Seminary in St. Louis. The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola with Father Anthony Wick. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Father Anthony, thank you so much once again for joining me. It's a joy to be with you and your audience, Chris. It is exciting to be able to enter into this rich gift of the spiritual exercises as given to us by St. Ignatius of Loyola. But there really needs to be some preparatory before we dive into something that is so rich. I mean, for us to kind of have a perspective or lens, as it were, to be able to really glimpse everything that's available for us. Yes, I concur with that. And I've tried to provide some of the historical background of St. Ignatius. So we'll see the, the ground in which the charism is planted. So in other words, the charism of God given St. Ignatius for the sake of the whole church, is implanted within a certain earth, if you will. And knowing his history, knowing his background, knowing his autobiography helps us to understand what God was doing with him so that this gift, this charism, could be given to the whole church. So I do believe that the Ignatian charism is a real gift to the church today and will offer certain correctives that are very important understanding our a proper relationship with God from an improper one, understanding the attitude in which we go to prayer, discernment of spirits, another great gift given to the church. So I think anyone of any spirituality who may have a different charism will appreciate this as much as I, for instance, appreciate Carmelite spirituality and various aspects of Carmelite spirituality or Franciscan spirituality. I think it's important to appreciate the these aspects of St. Ignatius, even if one is of a different charism oneself and has been chosen by, by different saints, still St. Ignatius offers certain gifts to the whole church that are irreplaceable. And I recall when I was at the Casa Balthazar, Pope Benedict coming, he was not yet Pope Benedict, Cardinal Ratzinger coming and visiting us, and one of the German brothers asked him, he said, we see so many orders going by the wayside and and dying off in the church, was that possible that it would happen with like, the Franciscans and the Jesuits? And Pope Benedict replied, there are some orders that are so close to the heart of the church that they will always be there. And so I believe that. I don't know what our numbers will be, but uh, but this charism is a real gift to the whole church. So I only want to share the fruits of that that are so life-giving and hope that will speak to your audience and help them in their prayer and in their seeing the church in new, more perspicacious ways, if you will. You know, and Father, that causes me to just want to address something that may arise in this approach to the spiritual exercises, in that there are some who may say, well, this is something that should be done under an individual who enters into them and a spiritual director one-on-one in a retreat type of setting. But the reality is, in today's world, so many, the overwhelming majority of people in the world, especially those who are Christians, who are Catholics, who will never be able to have that opportunity. 
and to be able to to have that one-on-one experience. And yet there is something really beautiful that's available in the exercises. And I think that the way that you're approaching it is going to be that way in which it could help guide a soul who is attempting to do this, whether they're in an office in um, in Vietnam, for example, or if they're a part of a community somewhere in Australia or even a, a mom in a home in New York City. I mean, it, it gives them an opportunity to be able to, to touch the richness of this teaching. Yes. Thank you for pointing that out. That's a very good insight. One need not do the 30-day retreat. Wonderful if one can, but to live the spirituality, it'll as soon as you grasp a few elements of it, it'll change even your daily prayer. Like tomorrow's prayer will change a little bit. You'll you'll have a sense of how to open up to the Lord. Yeah, I think it has very practical implications that one need not go first through a 30-day or an 8-day or 5-day or even a weekend retreat to experience. That would be a, a great a great opportunity if one can do a deep dive as such. We, The bread and butter of the retreat house, the White House where I am currently working is people who come on an annual retreat from Thursday to Sunday. So, And I think that's a wonderful progression in your spiritual life, a wonderful rhythm to, to have an annual silent Ignatian retreat. But some of us don't have that opportunity according to where we're living in our geography. But nonetheless, we can still, wherever we are, we can pick up some of these principles and fundaments and it, it'll change our worldview. I feel like St. Ignatius, like, I don't know, it's it's like he takes away some of the spiritual cataracts we suffer from in the church and gives us particularly laser vision of how God interacts with his creatures. So I find it so life-giving, and and I myself am amazed. I I just love living within it ever more deeply. Well, how should we begin then? What, What would be the preparatory that we should grasp within our hearts, if possible, and that will help make this more fruitful? I think a very good place to begin, Chris, would be to follow one of the giants of Ignatian spirituality, who studied the history of it, who himself is a Jesuit, who's lived it deeply. And this is Father Hugo Rahner, not Karl Rahner, his brother, but Father Hugo Rahner. He wrote some wonderful things on Ignatian spirituality. One book called Ignatius the Theologian has this profound insight about understanding Ignatian spirituality properly through a triptych, a triptych, like a three-sided icon, but a triptych of descent. So this triptych moves from God above, the ever greater God, to Jesus, who encapsulates the fullness of God, to his church, God speaking through his church. So this triptych, I think, will be very helpful for your listeners. It was certainly very helpful for me, too. So first, God above, the ever greater one. When St. Ignatius was at Manresa and doing his penances, doing humble tasks at the local hospital, taking notes in his journal, which will become uh, the spiritual exercises, and this these cataracts of mystical graces come upon him, while there he has an experience called the Cardonaire experience. Now, the Cardonaire is a little river that runs in front of the little mountain with a cave in it, the Manresa cave. Uh, that you can see to this day. And so he shares with us in his autobiography the following. When he speaks about himself in his autobiography, he doesn't like to use the word I, so he speaks in third person. He says he. (laughs) So 
Keep that in mind. I'm going to read just a passage from there. He had a great devotion to the Blessed Trinity. Every day he prayed to each of the three persons and to the whole Trinity. One day he went to the church of St. Paul, situated about a mile from Manresa. Near the road is a stream, on the bank of which he sat and gazed at the deep waters flowing by. While seated there, the eyes of his soul were opened. He did not have any special vision, but his mind was enlightened on many subjects, spiritual and intellectual. So clear was this knowledge that from that day everything appeared to him in a new light. Such was the abundance of this light in his mind that all the divine helps received and all the knowledge acquired up to his sixty-second year were not equal to it. From that day he seemed to be quite another man and possessed of a new intellect. This illumination lasted a long time. Unquote. This is a phenomenal experience of St. Ignatius, where he hears the whole symphony, if you will, of truth. Truth is symphonic, wonderful insight of Balthazar, and he hears the whole symphony. He senses how everything fits together. This is going to be his fundamental mystical experiences of all those mystical experiences he had up to his second, 62nd year, so much so that he was starting to lose his eyesight because he was crying so much with overwhelmed with the beauty of God and the goodness of God. That, um, but this was the one that really encapsulated his relationship with God. There were times when he was writing the constitutions and he would see a fine point on, say, poverty. Like, should we allow benefits? Should we allow this? Should we allow... And he would come in and specifically say to his brother Jesuits at that time, like, it has to be just this way. And they would say, how can you see it so clearly, Father Ignatius? And he would say, it's the cardinal. That was his response. It's the cardinal. In other words, it fits. I, I'm sorry I can't explain it to you, but it fits within the symphony. That's how I know. So he knew the symphonic nature of truth. And note that before given this holistic mystical vision, he's praying with profound devotion to the Blessed Trinity. Each day he would pray. He says to the three persons, of the Trinity, to the whole Trinity. He was really developing a relationship with the Trinity, which God, the Trinity, wants to have with you and me too. I think it's important that we pray to each of the three members of the Trinity. It's important we pray to the Trinity as a whole. Probably you and I are so used to saying God, which is good. God this, God that. God help me with this. God forgive me for that. But sometimes it's very important to speak to different members, uh, different persons in the Trinity, or speak to the whole Trinity as a whole, remember that God is a trinity of persons, interrelations um, between Father and Son and Holy Spirit. So there's the first panel of our triptych, God above, okay, the source and measure of all, the one who holds everything together in perfect unity, God who is self-gift, interrelationship, three persons, the first cause, if you will, of all beauty, truth, and goodness, this beauty, truth, and goodness are, are consonant with his very being, they're the transcendentals we call him that are visible in his creation, but all point to the fullness of beauty, truth, and goodness uh, in him. So St. Ignatius, in his prayer forms, would also invite us, before you arrive at the place where you're going to pray, so I would invite your listeners to try this already, like, make an act of reverence to whom you are coming before. God is the ever greater one, the ever greater one. That was very big for Ignatius. We'll talk more about this perhaps in a later episode but God is ever greater. And the fact that God is ever greater and so awesome is our God 
the fact that I am not God is a very good thing, and it allows love to well up between God and me, the fact that I am not God. Uh, so that's a that's a beautiful experience of St. Ignatius. He he uses the word the words reverential awe a fair amount in his writing. If you want the Spanish on that, that's acatamiento reverencial. So reverential awe. And also loving humility. Humildad amorosa. Loving humility. He would later write that always and at every hour he could find God. Isn't that amazing? That's what he wrote. Always and at every hour he could find God. So, and he, he even upped the ante and said he could not go on living on earth if he could not feel something which did not proceed from himself. So God is the source of his everything. He felt only secure in the Lord. And he loved the ever greaterness of God. He basked in that. It's not unlike if you and I are in front of the heavens and we're just glorifying God, but it actually feels warm as opposed to the great distance of space being maybe frightening or I feel too tiny. For Ignatius, this was a cause for joy and it would bring him to tears sometimes going out and looking at the stars and seeing how God had created everything so perfectly for him would bring him to tears. Uh, so that was his great sense of basking in the ever greater one of God. That's the first panel of our triptych. We'll return to The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises with Father Anthony Wick in just a moment. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola with Father Anthony Wick. Father, that is such a beautiful, deep understanding that we should have as Christians in the fact that we were, in our baptism, born into the heart of that Trinity, that we were drawn into that. And it's as though in those three persons who are, I don't mean to sound so clinical, but they're, you know, as nouns, 
okay, the person, place, or thing, or nouns, but it's also an action. It's a verb. It's this dynamic of love going back and forth and back and forth, and then sharing and drawing us into it. And that appreciation of a much fuller view, as it were, or experience of God than what we may have had in our past, that it's something that he's over there and not necessarily also a part of me, in me. Does that make sense? That's important to have, isn't it? Yes. I think you say it well because you're speaking about how we're drawn into that self-giving and self-receiving dynamic. So I receive the other as a gift and I give myself as gift. So as the father completely gives himself to the son, nothing holds back nothing. And the father is all about the son. And even if you're going to use technical Trinitarian language, I taught a course on the Holy Trinity at the seminary here. St. Thomas Aquinas says the father doesn't have a relationship with the son. The father is that relationship with the son. It defines his very person as to be the father of the son. And so to the son doesn't have a relationship with the father as if he's substantial of himself without the father, but he is that relationship with the father. All of this in the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of love huh, that walls up between both of them. It's the spirit of complete self-gift and receiving the other as gift. So the son receives himself eternally and at every moment as a gift from the father. So this is the dynamic of receiving oneself of gift, receiving all of creation as gift. And then I have no greater desire than to do what? To give myself back as a gift. As I allow myself to be overwhelmed with the love of God and the greatness of God and the majesty of God and the ever greater, he loves that phrase, ever greater, huh? the ever greaterness of God. This is a key to my healthy response of complete surrender and self-gift. Part of that goes back to the Lateran Council 4. It's a definition in 1215 about what an analogy is. So what the church defined there in 1215 was that between God and his creatures, within every similarity, there's a greater dissimilarity. So God is loving and I can be loving. God is wise. I can be wise to some degree. So there are similarities between us and God, but within that similarities, there's an ever greater dissimilarity. That's a beautiful gift though, and it's an invitation to love, to receive that ever greater love, the divine love, and to live from that divine love and respond in divine love. I think the challenge sometimes for us, don't you think, Father, is that in that the reception of love, and because of by our own free will, we can turn from it or we can turn towards it, in that reception of it is that greater desire or maybe better said, a need for us to trust, to trust in the love that has been given to us. And sometimes that will call us to something that takes us outside of our own desires, our own ways in which we try to protect ourselves from possible hurt or suffering. Ultimately, it causes us to an ultimate trust in doing his will, that the will of the Father is actually the best and you trust it because there's more. If you can release, at least in my case, the puny grasp that I have on things. And it can be very difficult for us to go to that place, don't you think? I do. That's a lovely phrase, the puny grasp we have on things. <laughs> I love that. So yes, I believe that 
what speaks to me from this and what you're saying, Chris, is that authority, again, has a possible double origin. I may say this a few times, but not only outdoor from the author, but it, it leads us to our flourishing. So algerate comes from the Latin word algerate, which means to help us flourish. So accepting the will of the Father for us, that only that will lead to our flourishing. My puny grasp on reality and how I'd like to manipulate reality and what kind of priest I'd be and where, where I would like to do my ministry, where I would like to do what I want to do, what I think would be fulfilling for me, where there's a lot of common denominators in that, as you can hear, is never going to be truly flourishing for me. So God has a plan that's much greater than my own. I'll be stretched in it for sure. It won't be a comfortable plan because I think probably my plans will always try to have a lot of comfort in them. But it will be incredibly life-giving and much more life-giving and joyful on the deeper level than any puny grasp plan that I conceive in my little mind. So what would the second triptych then be? So the second panel of our triptych of the theology of St. Ignatius is, is Christ the God-man. St. Ignatius calls him the creator and Lord. So the second person of the Blessed Trinity, as we know, the Son takes human flesh upon himself while remaining God to redeem us from within, from within human existence. All immediate contact then with the Father is thus mediated by Christ's humanity. So St. Ignatius, if you will, no longer needs to look only upwards in a state of rapture to enter the mysteries of the Trinity. Jesus, the God-man, contains them all. He's the way to the fullness of the Godhead. In fact, he's the only way, the way, the truth, the life. All of the fullness of the Godhead is encapsulated and lived perfectly in him. Thus, we have not only God above, but God here on earth, perfectly manifested. So Jesus, as he leads us in the spiritual exercises, he will take various meditations on Jesus actively engaging disciples, engaged in his ministry and his healings, less his teachings, actually, because that's a, St. Ignatius prefers this act of Jesus. It's kind of part of his charism, act of Jesus who goes around and calls people to enter into his company and helps them uh, discern uh, spirits working on them. But Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead revealed he is the way into the fullness of the Godhead. So as much as we're overwhelmed in our first triptych with who God is, and we bask in that awesomeness, that true awe of God, reverential awe, it all is encapsulated. We can actually dialogue with the Lord. We can actually have a relationship with someone here on earth. One of the seminarians here was had a conversion. He was atheist, and his conversion was over this one point. He said, you know, if there's a God, and as he was entering into Christianity and trying to discern which Christian religion was the authentic one, if God, if you and I are body and soul, then and God is God, then God must relate to us on a bodily level. He must relate to us on a bodily level. Hence, his notion of Eucharist and how much God nourishes us physically and spiritually and the cleansing that happens in confession these were all critical elements for him, for God concretely becoming present 2,000 years ago, but yet still present today in this encounter. So this is Jesus's encounter, which leads to our third part of the triptych, but perhaps we can stay with the second part first, and that is to focus on the God-man, to go deeply into scripture. St. Ignatius provides 
meditations and contemplations to help break open scripture, to help add the flesh to the various skeletal versions of different events in scripture so that scripture will come alive uh, for you and me as we meditate upon it. He shows us how to break open scripture to have ourselves an encounter with the God-man, to enter into the experience of Jesus in, in this life, to imagine what he was feeling and thinking, responding, what it meant for his, his entrails to be moved, to have deep compassion when he found people in need or the woman coming out with her son in a coffin and she was a widow. So taking these experiences, he'll show us how to enter into them, experience what the characters are are experiencing, and then have at the end of each one of those prayers what he calls a colloquy, which is a dialogue with with Jesus or one of the saints in the scene. And it personalizes that experience for us. I have to always tell my seminarians, it's important that when you begin your prayer, don't ask what this scripture passage is doing for you. Don't start by saying, I wonder what this means. Yeah, I I know this experience, Uh, let's say the transfiguration or something like, okay, what does that have to do with me today? I'm glad it happened for Peter, James, and John. I'm trying to think what that might be relevant. Don't do that. Get into the scripture passage, get out of yourself <laughs> and enter into what Jesus' experience as best you can. Peter, James, John, the fear they're going through, whatever passage it is, lose yourself into the passage. Lose yourself in what God is doing here. Everything Jesus does is a revelation of the Trinity. Everything Jesus does teaches us, Chris, how the Trinity thinks, works, acts, and responds. We'll continue our conversation in our next episode. You've been listening to The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola with Father Anthony Wick. This episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Heart of the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola with Father Anthony Wick.